All right. Hey, we made it to week number two. It's the Omafra field crop update for March 9th, 2016. Thanks for listening on last week's show and providing feedback. And if you like it, tell a friend and subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud. You'll also note that the first episode of Talking with Ontario Farmers is up where this month's guest is Philip Shaw. So on this week's field crop update, I'm going to talk about a couple of new herbicides in the marketplace that I've been getting calls on. But first, let's start off the week with a little segment I like to call You Botched It, Mike. It's a segment where you, the listener, questions some of the information said on this podcast and gets me to correct it. One Pedro Johansson asked why I talked about Penn State's critical level of vomitoxins in feedstuff during last week's episode, episode number one. Is there not any Ontario numbers that I could provide for the fine listeners instead of Penn State's? Well, you're right on the mark, Pedro. I used the Penn State number because, well, frankly, that's what was in the project summary I was reading. So, yeah, I was being lazy. I should have picked up the phone and talked to uh, my aunt, who is a ruminant nutritionist. And uh, I did so. I'll break down my conversation with her. So there's kind of three main points. Uh, Point number one, I think if we look back at last week's topic, is if we look at vomitoxin levels over the past four seasons in the province, the majority of cornfields have tested lower than 0.5 parts per million. And less than 10% of fields tested uh, had any levels above two parts per million. So in recent history, we can say that the majority of the corn crop was of very good quality when it comes to mycotoxins such as vomitoxin. Point number two uh, is that my aunt says that feed rations for ruminant animals testing over 1.1 parts per million is where there would be a concern or a watch closely warning. So it certainly doesn't mean don't feed to livestock, but you have to keep a closer eye on your animals. So you know, in Ontario, they're saying 1.1 parts per million uh, mycotoxins in a ration for ruminants. The Penn State article is saying 0.56 parts per million. Uh, at the end of the day, this is an area that falls in the experience gained through trial and error. So 1.1 parts per million with ruminant ans- animals is what the benchmark seems to be based on my conversations with uh, good old Aunt Cece. And lastly, it should be noted that feed mills will often use toxin binders as a preventative or insurance measure. So mycotoxin binders prevent those mycotoxins from being absorbed through the gut and into the blood circulation of livestock. So it's, it's a backup plan if you're concerned about mycotoxin levels. This week, I do want to get into weed control and one of the most significant news items to come out of last week's Herbicide Resistance Summit in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, was from Hugh Becky, a weed scientist with Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada. Dr. Becky reported that they confirmed a population of kochia is resistant to group 4 herbicides. So for those that don't know what group 4 means, it means a herbicide that goes by the names uh, Banville 2, MCPA, 2,4-D, and Extendamax. And why is this information important? Well, to me, it's additional proof that no mode of action is immune to weed resistance. I am encouraged and excited of the work being done to look at other ways to destroy weeds and weed seeds, but it's going to be a few years until we see these tools on the farm. In the meantime, it's the same old message that's been given since the 1970s when triazine-resistant lambs quarters was discovered. If you want to reduce the risk of getting herbicide-resistant weeds, don't use just one method to control them. And in terms of spreading from field to field, humans are the worst for moving seed around from place to place. 
So I'd love to hear if anyone actually has a good strategy for keeping weeds moving from farm to farm, field to field, uh, on equipment, on trucks, uh, by foot. You know, what do you do? Or do you do nothing at all? While we're on weed control, let's look at some herbicides. Um, two that I've been asked about quite a bit this past week. The first is Authority. It's a soil-applied, pre-emergent, broadleaf herbicide that can be used in soybeans, sunflower, and flax. It might just get me to start growing flax again. Strengths of Authority, pigweed species, lambs, quarters, and nightshade. An increasing problem in food-grade soybeans has been consistent management of those three species because there are many populations that are resistant to pursuit and sencor. So Authority fills that gap very nicely. It's a nice uh, tool for those three species. You can see it being promoted in the countryside already as a one-pass tank mix with boundary liquid. That combo has performed well in the two trials I had last year, uh, one at Alora, one at Woodstock, but the major weakness of authority is ragweed. It does not control ragweed at all. It's pretty bad on ragweed. So that's the one major weakness of authority. Studies in the U- U.S., the United States, have shown good control of velvet leaf and nutsedge with authority. I don't have any firsthand experience with those two species in Ontario. The suggested retail price of authority is $18 an acre, so the boundary liquid plus authority combo will probably set you back in around that $47, $48 per acre range. For reference, authority is a very similar herbicide to Valterra. The selling point in the countryside for authority has been greater crop safety with authority compared to Valterra. Personally, I'm a bit skeptical of that claim since I found a scientific paper published in the 2001 Volume 15 edition of Weed Technology that demonstrated similar levels of crop injury from both Authority and Valterra. So in other words, they they responded the same in terms of crop injury. It appears the biggest controllable variables to minimize risk of crop injury with herbicides like Authority, Valterra, Fierce, or Triactor is organic matter and sensitive varieties. So let me explain that. So for organic matter, a 2006 study published in the Journal of Crop Protection observed higher soybean injury when when those herbicides were applied to soil with 1.1% levels of organic matter compared to soil with 2.3% organic matter. So in that particular study, you doubled the level of crop injury when you had organic matter levels around that 1% level compared to a little over 2%. So organic matter, the higher the level of organic matter, the better the crop safety. The other point is sensitive varieties. There are some varieties that are more sensitive to Valterra, Fierce, uh, Authority, Triactor. So you have to choose ones that are more tolerant. And what I'm pleasantly surprised about is, is how a lot of seed companies provide sensitive sensitivity warnings in their product brochures. Uh, I was just looking at two different ones that, that state uh, herbicide management warnings. What you want to look for in those warnings, if you're interested in using a herbicide like Authority or Valterra, is look for the term PPO under herbicide management warnings. If there's a requires careful management or highly sensitive to PPO, PPO means herbicides like Authority, Valterra, Triactor, and Fierce. Lastly, a new cereal herbicide called Barricade has been getting the questions asked this past week. Barricade is a copac 
probably the best way to describe it is if you took Refine SG, tank mixed it with Trophy, half the rate of MCPA, uh, you'd get Barricade. Confused? So am I. So again, take Barricade. It's kind of like tank mixing Refine SG with Trophy. So the two big questions around Barricade, number one, will it control Canada Fleabane? Number two, what else is it good on? Number three, of course, what does it cost? So I'm not aware of any Ontario work that has been done to look at control of glyphosate-resistant Canada Fleabane with Barricade. You could make the assumption that because Trophy is in Barricade, that whatever Trophy does on Canada Fleabane, uh, Barricade should also do on Canada Fleabane. That is a big assumption given that the rate of MCPA in Barricade is lower than what you'd use in Trophy. But if we do make that assumption, and that's a pretty big assumption to make, uh, Barricade should control Canada Fleabane. It's probably going to give around 80% control, but the, the, the truthful answer is not a lot of experience in the province. Uh, we will soon find out when it gets used in those fields and report back. But that is kind of the big, it's the one unknown. It should work in theory. We just don't have the experience here. Otherwise, it's a co-pack with very few holes. It, it covers a lot of different species. Uh, if you're worried about chickweed, if you're worried about cleavers, uh, Barricade is going to do a nice job on those species. Uh, it'll also deal with the speed wells. If you have tougher to control weeds like emerged vetch, if there's emerged perennial south thistle, that co-pack of, called Barricade should do a relatively good job. So it is kind of a very few holes in it, premium product, and therefore it's priced as a premium product. Its suggested retail price is $11.50 per acre. If we compare that to other popular cereal herbicides like Infinity, it has a suggested retail price of around $10.40. Buctrolam is at around that $7.85 range. So that are the comparables. So our time is up on this week's field crop update. I appreciate the feedback and story ideas. Tell a friend, subscribe on iTunes, and look for the show notes on fieldcropnews.com. Have a great week, everyone.